So we're in a series called The Power of the Tongue, and this is our fasting week. Today we start fasting after service today until next Sunday. I'm asking everybody to do a week fast. Now, from your fasting handout, you can either do a media fast, you can do a food fast, but what I'm asking everyone to do, no matter what else you fast, is to do a mouth fast, because we're on our series on the tongue, and you'll see the mouth fast on your fasting handout. That means no complaining or no cussing or whatever you decide that mouth fast is going to be. Now, when you fast, a few things you need to know. The first one is um, don't announce it to the world. If you're fasting Facebook, don't, you know, publicize, I'm fasting this week. I'm so spiritual, so y'all aren't going to see me. You know, don't do that. If you decide to fast um, meat or whatever, and, and, and one of us sees you at McDonald's, we're not going to point at you or anything like that. You know, it's between you and God. However, whatever you fast, I'm asking that you write your name and write what you're fasting on that other handout, tear it off, and after service, put it in one of the boxes so that our prayer partners can pray for you during the week, okay? Now, here's the reason we're fasting, because somebody is going to own this building and own this property when we leave, and we don't quite know who yet. There are three interested parties, and we want God's will to be done with this place. So I'm simply asking you to just pray that whatever God's will is for this property and however much money we're supposed to make off of it, and whoever's supposed to own it is exactly what happens. So that's why we're praying, okay? Don't text me if God speaks to you and tells you and all that kind of stuff. It's just you and God. Y'all fast, y'all pray, and we'll believe that God's will will be done for this place. Amen. Amen. So that's the fasting part. Now, if you fast and you don't pray, you're not fasting. You're dieting, okay? There's a big difference between dieting and fasting. Fasting is when you give something up for God, and in lieu of that, you spend time with Jesus and let Jesus change you and Jesus speak to you, okay? So today in part seven, I want to talk to you about this, a tongue of prayer, a tongue of prayer. God wants to do supernatural things in your life in 2022. He wants to restore areas of your life that the enemy has stolen. He wants to heal and mend your broken hearts. He wants to bless you financially in ways that you did not know or expect were going to come in. God wants to make your life easier. But he will only be involved in your life in as much as you allow him to. He is a gentleman. He's not going to push himself into your family unless you bring him into your family through prayer. He's not going to force himself to be part of your job and where you work at unless you bring him in through prayer. He's not going to be part of your finances or your health or your mental state of mind unless you bring him in through prayer. God wants to be part of every single area of your life. But just like with all the relationships we have on earth, they're all based on communication. So if you're not communicating, there's no relationship. Every relationship you have that's healthy is because you speak healthily and you listen to healthy things, right? It's not just talking, it's also listening. So prayer, you need to talk to God, you need to bring Him into every area of your life, and you need to spend time listening as well. John 16, 23, Jesus said, ask the Father in my name. Here's how we pray. We pray to God through Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Because listen, you're not good enough to pray to God by yourself. you got to do everything through Jesus. And he says, according to my will, and he will give it to you. He'll just give it to you. He'll give it to you. And here's what prayer is. Prayer, for your notes, is declaring God's will on earth. This is why he promises he'll give it to you. In other words, if this scripture is not true, let me know if this scripture isn't true and I'm going to quit my job because my job is based on this Bible being perfect. It's based on it being 100% perfect. So here's what I mean. When he says he'll give it to you, it's because you're praying his will, not your will. So the goal in prayer when you spend time with God, with God this week is to find out what his will is for your life and then speak it into existence through prayer. 
It goes from heaven to earth through prayer. You say, well, if God wants to bless me, he'll bless me. I don't have, no, God works by principles. You reap what you sow. And prayer always brings a reaping harvest. It is always a seed when you pray God's will in your life. So the goal is to figure out what God's will is for you and pray it. If you know that you know that you know his will is for you to be healed in a certain area of your life, thank him for it every single day. If you know his will is for you to have a certain job or go to a college and you really with all of your heart believe that is what God wants. It's not just what you want, it's what God wants. You pray it from heaven to earth. Um, there's a little type and shadow of what I believe is prayer in the Old Testament. Um, and remember when Moses first started his relationship with God, he got thrown into a leadership position and he was nervous and didn't know what to do. And he's leading two million people for the first time and they're in the desert. In Exodus 17, 16, the Lord told Moses, if you strike this rock, water's going to come out. They were thirsty. They needed water. So God said, strike it, hit the rock over and over again. In other words, use your energy, use your strength accomplish this and when we first get saved when we first start our relationship with God that's what we do we try so hard to stop these addictions and we try so hard to come to church and we want to be a good Christian and we work hard here and we do this for God there and that's great but sooner or later as you grow in your relationship with God especially through prayer and fasting you'll discover that sometimes things will be easier if you bring God into it and release your own strength and we love to use our own strength because we like to get things done the way we want to get it done, when we want to get it done, how we want to get it done. But God says, if you bring me into it, life will be easier. So sometime later, Moses is growing with God. And finally, in Numbers 28, they're thirsty again. And in Numbers 20, verse 8, he said, Moses, this time I want you to speak to the rock. Speak to it. Tell it to give forth water and water will gush out of it. In other words, Moses, it's going to be easier. You, you know when a child's trying, a child's like, ah, and you say, use your words, baby. Or maybe you say that to your husband sometimes, honey. Use your words. Use your words. Now I can tell you're frustrated. Use your words. Words make, I'm telling you how powerful words are in this series. It makes life a lot easier. God was saying, Moses, speak to it. Now, for those of you that saw the movie with Charlton Heston, or maybe you read the Bible, I don't know which one, what did Moses do when God said, speak to it? He hit it. Verse 11, Moses struck the rock over and over again instead of speaking to the rock. And the Lord said this, you didn't trust me. You didn't trust that I would accomplish what I said would happen if you would just speak it out. And because you didn't trust me, you're not going into the promised land. If 2022 is going to be a promised land for you, I'm telling you, you have to pray. You have to bring God verbally into the paradigm of your life. You have to bring him into every single area. And I promise you, water will come gushing out in the middle of the desert if you'll use your words. Amen? So three points for you today, for your notes. Today, number one is this. Pray the word. Pray the word. Now, us men, women are much better prayer people than we are. Us men, we, women can pray for like, you know, two hours. And, oh, I just had such a good time in the presence of God. And, yeah, be quiet. Here's how men are. We're like 20 to 30 seconds into it. You know, make my wife treat me better, heal my back, and give me money. Amen, Lord. You know, that's our prayer. So when you, and, and your mind starts going in 10 different directions, you know, and then you feel like, wait, what am I doing here? Wait, was I praying or was I thinking about my job? You know, so here's what you need. You need to pull out your Bible and pray the word. That is God's will for your life. If the easiest way to discover God's will is pull out the Bible and read it. Isaiah 55, 11, God said, my word will go out and it won't return void. It will accomplish that which I desire. If you want to know what God's desire is for your life, open up the word and pray it. Open up the word and declare it in your quiet time this week. I knew this couple, they, um, they wanted to have a baby so bad, husband and wife, and she could not conceive. I mean, for six years, 
They tried to have a baby. It was to no avail. Nothing happened. Finally, her and her husband got some scriptures out of the Bible. It was almost like proof that God's desire was for them to have a baby. They wrote them out and they put it on their mirror in their bathroom. And every morning before they got ready for work and every night before they went to bed, they would just hold hands and they would just pray those scriptures out loud. They even signed the, the papers if it were like a contract between them and God. They put on their Genesis 1:28. They pray, Lord, we believe that you want us to be fruitful and multiply. So we thank you that our family is multiplying. In Psalms 112, 2, the children of the righteous remind us, Lord, because of Jesus Christ, we are righteous. So we believe that our children are going to grow up and be successful. They're going to be leaders and do great things for you. Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself, Lord. Lord, we love delighting ourselves in you. We, we serve your body at church. We give to your kingdom, Lord. So we believe you put this desire inside of us. So we're claiming that we're going to have a baby, Lord Jesus. That's all you do is you pray the word. Within one year, she was pregnant with twins. After she gave birth to the twins, they had a third child a year after that. All children are happy, healthy, and whole. And here's why. They prayed the word. There's, sometimes you don't know what God's will is. And you, is this my will? Is this God's? Is it what I want? So you open up the Bible and you figure out exactly what his will is for your life. Exodus 14, 13, Lord, you said that if I would just rest in you and I'm not going to try to fix this in my own strength, I don't know what I would do. So I'm going to sit back in peace because I believe that you will go out there and fight my battles for me while I'm resting. Malachi 3.10, Lord, I honor you with the tithe, so I'm declaring that the windows of heaven are going to open up over my family and my church in 2022. Genesis 50.20, Lord, this person's doing me wrong, and I could easily blast them on Facebook. I could easily send them a mean text, Lord Jesus, but I believe that because of what they're doing to me, you're actually going to bless me if I do nothing and trust you. That's how you pray the word. Um, uh, Genesis 23.6, goodness and mercy chase after me every day of my life. Do you know, I, I can't even express to you how good my life has been lately. Um, the, the, uh, for the past several weeks, though, in, in the middle of the night, I've been waking up and um, my mind's been going in, in places it should not go. I, I, my mind, I don't know if that ever happens. You wake in the middle of the night, you use the bathroom or something, and it's like, oh, your mind just, just starts going like a Steven Spielberg movie, you know, or more like, um, what's the dark guy that does all those dark movies? Honey, what's his name? What is it? Tim Burton. Yeah, my mind was like a Tim Burton movie sometimes, you know. And, um, and, and, and I had these horrible thoughts, and I know my mind shouldn't go in that direction. And so what was happening a few weeks ago was I was just laying in bed, eyes open, and I just let my mind go, and it goes horribly in the wrong direction. I mean horribly. And so after a few weeks of that, not sleeping, this time when my mind started going, I started begging God, please, God, please heal my mind. Please, please, I don't want to have these thoughts. They're not of you. Please, God, get out of my mind. I can't sleep. It's frustrating me. Please, God, please. And I would beg and beg and beg. And I saw a little bit of victory, but it wasn't total victory. And then this past Tuesday night, um, 2 a.m., I wake up, my mind goes that way. And without even, I wasn't even, I wasn't even consciously doing it. Some reason, all of a sudden, I just started quoting scripture. I said, Lord, your favor surrounds me like a shield. And so nothing can get through that shield except for your favor. Lord, your word says I have the mind of Christ, so I thank you that I have the mind of Christ. Your word says I have peace that passes all understanding, so I thank you that there's peace inside of me that is so amazing it can't even be understood by the human mind. And I thank you, God. And you know, within two minutes, I was back to sleep and everything was perfect. You know why? Because the word has power in it, man. Goodness and mercy chase after me. I, I've been chased before by the wrong things. I, I've been chased by the popo before. I, I know what it's like. To know. Some of y'all have a black cloud that's been chasing you, a cloud of negativity, a cloud of addiction, a cloud of, of discouragement. Here's why. It's because what's coming out of your mouth? 
What you send up is what's going to come back down. Actually, some of y'all are sending things down and it's going to come up because your mouth's going in the wrong direction. I remember one time I was chased. I don't know if I should tell y'all this, but I will anyway. Um, so I was like 16 years old and I talked to my buddies. I said, we're going to go toilet paper this girl's house. And I think she broke up with me or something like that. So we're going to let her have it, you know. And so we stole all the toilet paper from all of our friends' houses. It was like COVID 2020. I mean, there was toilet paper nowhere. And we filled up this car. We, we, we borrowed a friend of a friend of a friend's car so they wouldn't catch us, you know. They wouldn't know the car. And we put duct tape on the license plate. Don't do this, teenagers. <laughs> do not do this. And you know what? I just realized there's two policemen in the crowd, too. So <laughs> anyway, I'm going to come over here. And so... Um, and so we put on ski masks. That way, they, we, if, they, if they saw us, we could just run and they wouldn't know who we were. And so, man, we toilet paper this girl's house like crazy. I got a picture of it actually right here. And um, that isn't it, but that is what it looked like. But anyway, and so we really let this girl have it. And it was me and three buddies, and I was driving the getaway car. And after we got about finished, I said, okay, let's go, let's go. And we start to run to the car, and the girl's mom comes out the front door with a shotgun. I know. And it wasn't pointed at us, but she was holding it upright. That's scary enough when somebody's got a shotgun. So I take off running, and we get in the car, and we got our ski mask, and we got, you know, duct tape on the license plate, and we start to take off. And I realized one of my buddies didn't make it in the car. So I look behind me, and he's chasing me, and she's chasing him. And my stupid friend said, John Paul, wait, John Paul, wait. I said, you idiot. How many John Pauls are there in Sockasty, South Carolina, you know? So I got busted and I got chased. But now, now, take me back to my good scripture, now only good things are chasing after me, okay? It's because of what's coming out of my mouth. You reap what you sow. Thank you, Lord, that your goodness. Man, God is just so good to me. Last Wednesday at 4.30 p.m., I ran into somebody, handed them $100. By 5.30, somebody gave me $100. I am blown away at God's goodness. The friends, the family that he's brought into my life, the things he's done. Goodness and mercy chase after me. You know why? Because I bring God into every paradigm of my life through my words. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Never stop praying. Here's God's will for your life. Never stop declaring what God wants to do on earth for you. That's what it means right here. His, here's his will for your life. Never stop declaring what he wants to do for you on planet earth. That's prayer. Okay, point number two. Don't, go, don't freak out on me, okay? Don't freak out on me. Point number two is this. Pray in tongues. Don't freak out at me. Everybody, the, the ushers have locked the doors, okay? Nothing crazy is going to happen. Pray those. Now, um, when you get saved and you surrender your life to Jesus as a believer, that's all you need to go to heaven. You don't have to be water baptized. We know that by the thief on the cross. But after you get saved and Jesus comes into your life, there's water baptism through a disciple. And then there's also the Holy Spirit baptism. Baptism in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. You don't have to have that to go to heaven. You have Jesus in your life to go to heaven. But if you want to have um, abundant life on earth, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes in your life. But there's a difference between being saved with the Holy Spirit and being filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Am I talking too fast? Are we okay? We're okay. Okay, sometimes when I get excited, I talk real fast. But, so there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic Gospels. That means they have similar stories in them. Um, John wrote his Gospel many, many, many years later. And here's why. When he read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he realized they only mentioned the third year of Jesus' ministry. And so John, who was with them all three years, John starts telling stories that we've never heard in any of the other Gospels. So John accounts the first and second year of Jesus' ministry. 
Now, there's two things and two things only that all four Gospels have in common. The first one is they have what is actually called the Gospel, which is the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All four Gospels have that. The only other thing all four Gospels have, which blows my mind, is talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Amazing. After salvation. Okay? So I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 2, which is after the Gospels. Acts 2 verse 1 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, okay, everybody stop looking at the screen and look at me. I realize Pentecost is a scary word for some of y'all because if you put an A-L at the end of it, it's Pentecostal. And you're afraid if we talk about being Pentecostal, someone's going to jump over a chair, hang from one of the chandeliers. That's not going to happen, okay? Let me tell you what Pentecost means so you don't get scared. Penta in Greek means five and cost means to the tenth power. Pentecost literally translates to the number 50. That's all it means. It's not a scary word unless you're 49 years old in 2022, you're going to be 50 or Pentecost. Okay, so Pentecost was 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, which is also considered the birthplace of the church. The very first church, and there's type and shadows of church in the Old Testament, but the first real church, pastors, elders, and so forth, and the gifts and all was on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. Watch this. All believers, everybody say saved people. Okay, they were already saved. All believers were in a Honda. It goes on to say, no, I'm just kidding. It says they're in one accord. <laughs> that was super funny though, wasn't it? Anyway, I won't say that second service because it didn't get that good of a laugh. So remember that phrase, one accord. You're going to know that in about seven minutes from now. Okay, all the believers were in one accord. Suddenly a sound like a strong wind filled the whole house. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now I want you to see something. They were already saved. So why did they need the Holy Spirit? They were already saved. They were already believers. And you see this all through the New Testament. Already believers. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. Now, um, there's some myths about speaking in tongues I want to go over. Okay, The first one is this. Only weird Christians speak in tongues or pray in tongues. Okay, That's a myth. All of the weird people you know that pray in tongues, listen real close, they were weird before the Holy Spirit came into their life. Okay, The Holy Spirit does not make people weird. Those people were weird already. They grew up in a weird house, a weird church, and they're just weird. God is not weird and nothing about God is weird, okay? Second myth is this. You speak fluently the first time. You speak fluently the first time. That is a myth. Um, there's not a single language in the universe that you can speak fluently on the first day. Even when a child is learning how to speak English um, and they say baba for bottle and things like that, we think it's cute, especially as parents. We think it's so cute, okay? In your prayer time with Jesus this week, I want you to ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And I want you to just yield your tongue in faith. And it might not sound fluent and it might not sound like what you've heard other people sound like, but your father likes it. He thinks it's very cute and I promise it's very beneficial to you. Point number, uh, myth number three is this, you can't control it. I'm afraid if I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna be at Walmart later on today. I'll be checking out my groceries and it's just going to come over me. I'm going to have to grab the microphone and start praying in tongues to everybody at Walmart. That's a myth. You can totally control it. Just like the gift, even the gift of tongues. When it comes to the gift of giving, money doesn't just jump out of your pocket. Whoa, I think I have the gift of giving. That $20 just jumped out and went in the offering box. Can you believe? No, no. You can totally control it. Don't ever think you cannot control it. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul said this, if I pray in tongues. Notice the word if. Everybody say if. Yeah. It's a choice. My spirit prays. This is amazing. But my mind is unfruitful. So what will I do? Here's what he said I'll do. I'll pray with my spirit, but I will also pray in English or whatever understanding that I have. 
Paul the Apostle, if you think he's weird, he wrote more of the New Testament than any of y'all wrote. Verse 18, he said this, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, if you're scared it's going to happen in a church service, I want to read this to you loud and clear. We may have short groups about it. It may be in our Sunday school class. But in church, it says this, I'd rather speak five intelligible words than 10,000 words in a tongue. Here's why. Praying in tongues doesn't do anything for the person next to you. It is for you. So when you hear somebody that's trying to show off or do something really loud and take control of the sir or whatever they do, it is not God's will that they do that, okay? Praying in tongues is for you. Jude 1.20, build yourself up in faith by praying in the Spirit. Build yourself up. Could it be? Take me back to that scripture before. It says when we pray in our understanding, it's with our soul. Could it be that we only pray soulish prayers? I want, give me, I need, fix this. Could it be the only way we'll be able to actually pray a pure prayer for God to do exactly what his will is, is either with the word or in the spirit? Imagine what would happen if your spirit was praying and not just your mind. Amazing to me. Okay, now I want to give you a little bit of theology. This is my favorite part of the sermon. So pretend like you like this part. Even if you doze off, smile when you're dozing off so I don't feel bad, okay? Uh, remember the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament? Remember the Tower of Babel? They want to build a huge tower. Y'all remember that, right? Tower of Babel. Okay. Um, it says in Genesis 11, verse 1, Now the whole earth spoke one language and one vocabulary. This is the chapter in the Tower of Babel. One language, one vocabulary. I'm curious, what language did the entire earth speak at this time? Now keep in mind, think for a minute, Adam and Eve, the Bible says, walked and talked with God. Then after Adam and Eve, you know, then came Noah and the flood and then the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. What language... Was the whole earth speaking from Adam and Eve all the way to Genesis 11, Tower of Babel? Don't say English or I'm going to send you to children's church, okay? They did not speak English. They didn't speak Hebrew. The Jewish nation started in Genesis chapter 12 after God gave them all different languages and scattered them on the earth. Could it be that they were speaking a heavenly language? Could it, could, could it be a language that only God... Could it? Let's look at Genesis 11:5. But the Lord came down to see the tower which they had built. The Lord said, "Indeed, the people are one, and they have one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. Now, nothing will be impossible for them. Let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, go down and take away their language. Why didn't God just let them build it? Why didn't He let them fail? Here's why: because biblically, they could accomplish anything. Biblically, with this language, nothing was impossible for them. In essence, God said, if we don't take away this language, nothing will be impossible for them. Isn't it amazing? There's a certain language that when we get inside of us, nothing can be impossible for us. Now, let's fast forward a few thousand years, a few hundred years before Jesus was born in the Gospels, a few thousand years after this. And Zephaniah is prophesying over what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. Zephaniah 3.90, God said this, then I will, what's that word with the R? Restore. He doesn't say I'm going to create. He doesn't even say I'm going to um, 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 give them. Or He says this, I'm going to restore. In other words, it was something they used to have. But I had to take it away. But when the Holy Spirit comes, I'm going to give it back to him. Then I'll restore to the people a pure language. They may all pray to the Lord and serve him in a Honda. Remember, I told the same thing from Acts 2.1. Serve him in one accord. I'm going to get to my next point. But I just want to tell you, it, it, just, 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 just try it. Just in your quiet time, just say, Jesus, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. And then just, just yield your tongue to God and just see what happens. Just see what happens. Let me say one more thing. I'll go to point number three. This is the only language in the universe. And it's all through the New Testament. Only language in the universe. Watch this. 
The only language in the universe that has no profanity, no negativity, no selfishness, no gossip, no strife, no discord. No, 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 no. There's, it's the only language on earth in the universe that's pure. Okay, point number three, because I'm scaring y'all. Point number three is this. Pray big. Pray big. Ephesians 3.20 says this. God can do anything far more than we can ask infinitely beyond our highest prayers. If you're not praying, how can God do more? If you're not asking, how can God do more than what you're even asking? I'm, I'm encouraging you. Man, pray big prayers and never stop praying big prayers. Matthew 21, 22, Jesus said this. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for. You're, don't think it, ask it in prayer. Now, uh, some of you look at this and think, okay, if this scripture is true, then I believe I'm going to receive a Lamborghini. Okay, where's the Lamborghini? Okay, remember what prayer is. Prayer is declaring God's will. Not your will, God's will. If you believe that you will receive whatever you ask for that is God's will for your life, he promises you, you will have it. It'll be yours. Now, I want to ask you a theological question, and I need you to get the answer right, or it's going to make me feel dumb, and it's going to mess up my point. Okay, so please get it right, or don't answer. Who was the, in fact, I'm only going to let certain people answer. Linda Phillips can answer. Um, okay, here with the V's can answer. Okay, I'm just kidding. Everybody answer, ready? Who was the closest disciple to Jesus? Who was, who was, the, who was the disciple that was the, the closest one? Who was the disciple that Jesus brought with him everywhere? Who was the disciple that said, man, I am his favorite? Who was Jesus' closest, closest disciple? John. Thank God y'all got it right. This is my point really good. Okay. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, they used, in, in the original language, they used the word believe um, nine to ten times each. John uses the word believe 99 times. Here's what I'm submitting to you. The closer you get to Jesus, the more time you spend with him, the bigger things and the more you'll believe for in life. Let me give you an example. Okay, in 2007, I'd been pastoring for one year. I'd been saved for just a few years. And um, we started in a library in Socrates because it was free. And then, you know, about 20 people were coming. And so we decided to get a storefront. The storefront was $1,000 a month. And, and, and I never I've never taken a salary beyond what I just have, just my needs, so that the church can always do more. At that time, I think I was getting paid like $200 a week. Um, I was working three or four other jobs, and I was just praying and believing every week. God, please, please let $1,000 come in the offering this month so we can pay the rent and keep helping people and preach and, and, and see families restored. But God, we need this storefront. We need this. So $1,000 a month, and I used all my faith to believe that God could bring in $1,000 a month, and he always did more than $1,000. And I was always so excited, and that was back in 2007. And that same, that, <clears throat> that same exact year, there was a pastor in Surfside just down the street, and he had a storefront building as well. He'd been there for 15 to 20 years. Great pastor, loved God. He loved outreaches and helping people. And, and they had been believing for a new building, and they wanted their own property, but they didn't have any money. And all of a sudden, in that same year that I was believing for $1,000 a month, that pastor had a check sent to him from out of town for $1 million. He thought it was a joke. He looked it up, discovered, called people. Turns out this tycoon in some other state needed a huge tax write-off in 2006 or 2007, whatever it was, um, um, in South Carolina. So he asked the secretary, find me a church, look online, find one with a good website, send them a million dollars. Million dollar check. The first thing I did was got a website for our church. I did that immediately, <laughs> put us on Google. But... <clears throat> 
That pastor, they took the million dollars and they built them a nice, beautiful building and they have a campus out on Homestown Road. A million dollars. I remember thinking, man, what did this guy have to do to have faith for that? Man, how close is he to Jesus? To believe for a million, that's amazing. I, that was so far out of my thinking. I was on my knees saying, God, I just need a thousand dollars a month to pay rent. That was back in 2007. This past May, our elders got together and I said, I, I think we need a bigger building. I think our ministry's growing. How much money should we believe for until we really start, you know, pushing it and let everybody know what, what, what do we need? And one elder said 250,000. Another one said 500,000. I said, I think we need a million dollars. A million dollars. Man, from a thousand dollars a month, we need a million dollars. And in my mind, I thought, you know what? I'll announce we need a million dollars. It'll probably take five or six years to come in. Do you know within five or six months, we had a million dollars in this account? Today, there's $1,100,000 in our church account. Can you believe what God can do? Can you imagine believing for $1,000? And then all of a sudden, God, it wasn't, it wasn't me. Believe me, it was not me. In my heart, a million, almost felt like throwing up when I said it. A million pennies? Dollars, you know, I felt like Austin Powers, the back out, one million dollars, you know. But and now God's given us a nine-acre campus. We're going to do great things. It's amazing. So Genesis one two, it says it starts off in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over those waters. In verse three, God said, "Let there be light," and light came. God said it, and it came. God said it, and light showed up. God spoke, and there was light. Are you with me? Out of His mouth, the words, the light showed up. Guess what's so interesting about this? In verse sixteen, it says, "On the fourth day, God created the sun, the moon, the stars, and He placed them in the." galaxies to provide light on the earth. There were three days that there was light on the earth with no sun. There were three days. Now, we don't know if those three days were a million years each because there was no sun. We don't know if it was 24 hours. There was no sun. For all we know, the first three days of creation were a million years each, a thousand years each. We don't know what they were in our time. The point is this. There were three days that there was light with no sun. And some of you are always looking to the sun to provide light. The sun's not your source. God's your source. Amen. Your boss is not your source for your not financial prosperity. This year. If my boss likes me, maybe I'll get a raise. Your boss is not your source. God's your source. You can beg the doctors to prescribe the right medicine and change it and fix this, and that's great. Go to doctors and use wisdom. Your doctor is not your source. God's your source. God can give you light with no sun. That's how supernatural he is. You can have light if he speaks it out. If he speaks it out, you'll have it without you seeing any way possible that it takes place. Light with no sun. I'll close with this story. It's a story in the Old Testament. <clears throat> it's about a guy. And, 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 and there's just two scriptures about this guy. Just two. I mean, the whole Bible, look how thick this book is. And there's just two verses, not even chapters, two verses about a guy. And in 1 Chronicles 4, 9, it tells us what his name is. It says, there once was a man named Jabez. Now, why is that significant? Here's why. Because the name Jabez means sorrow, grief, pain, suffering, trouble, heartache. What kind of parent would name their child grief? Sorrow. Well, maybe when they turn teenagers, you want to change their name to that. You know, but when they're born... Why would his parents name him that? I, I started thinking, the Bible doesn't tell us because there's only two scriptures about him. I thought, 
maybe his mom was raped. And that's all. And, and when he was born, she was just so distraught, she just called him tr grief, trouble. Maybe um, there was no epidurals back then. I thought maybe she was in such pain when she gave birth. Maybe she died giving birth. And so the father names him Sorrow. Uh, maybe the dad walked out on the mom when she got pregnant. And all she knew to say was, this is so much trouble on me. I'm sure it, 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 back in the Bible days, you know, your name um, greatly affected your future. Remember when God wanted Abram and Sarah to have more faith, so he changed their name to Abraham and Sarah, father and princess, so they would hear. So, so all his life he heard, here, here comes trouble. <laughs> There's sorrow. <clears throat> Don't sit next to pain, man. You'll be leaving with grief on your hands. I'm sure it caused them to be insecure. I'm sure it caused them to think that, that what, why, why do I deserve this? What happened to me? What, what took, why was my past so horrible that I had to be named Jabez? With these two scriptures, we see something so interesting about his heart because in spite of his past, in spite of his upbringing, in spite of his insecurities, in spite of what people said and did to him, the only other verse we see about Jabez is the next verse and all he does is he prays a prayer. Now, this guy, just keep in mind, he didn't lead two million people in the promised land. He did not get swallowed by a whale and then get spit up and prophesied to a whole island. He did not, you know, believe that God would stop the sun and stop the moon in his place for him to finish a battle like Joshua. He didn't do any of that. And he just prayed a prayer. In verse 10, he said, bless me indeed. Give me much land. Enlarge my territory. Be with me. Provide your personal protection. Keep me from anything evil that might harm me. What right did he have to pray a big prayer like that? Surely God said to him, Jabez, man, I got Mother Teresa's and Billy Graham's to bless with things like that, buddy. You haven't been coming to church like you should. <clears throat> you don't tithe like everybody else. You look at things you shouldn't look at. You act in ways you shouldn't act. You don't treat people right. And you're asking me to bless you indeed? Is that what God said to him? The rest of verse 10 simply says this. The last thing we hear about Jabez. And God granted his prayer request. Jabez prayed and God did it. All he did was invite God into so many areas of his life. Protection in his land. Blessing him here. Don't let anything harm me. And God granted his prayer request. I believe in 2022, God wants to do amazing things in your life. Big, but here's what, you, here's what you have to do. If it's going to be a year of increase for you, if there's actually going to be change, you know, all these dumb um, New Year's resolutions, you need to go to God and let God change you. You can't change yourself. You couldn't get saved by yourself. You can't clean up by yourself. You can't do anything in your own strength. Bring God into it. Let God be the one. And if you will, pray the word, pray in the spirit, and pray big, big prayers. I believe that 2022 will be the best year you've ever had. Amen. Amen.